All right, if you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, preaching through the book of Mark. And we let the Word of God preach, amen. And I want to tell you something, folks, when He preaches, everything takes care of itself, amen. There's conviction, uh, there's comfort, there's courage, uh, there's strength from the Word of God, amen. And I appreciate all of you being here. If I started naming names, uh, appreciate appreciate all these that's brought up in the church that's come back to be with us and uh, see some that I baptized and uh, Miss Lisa, our first secretary. And I'll never forget that night that uh, uh, I knocked on their door and they said, well, we've been looking for a, a, a Baptist church in Dalton, Georgia. We go all the way to Fort Oglethorpe. I think they went to Battlefield Baptist Church. And I don't know, maybe they did. Maybe, that may be the second church. That's an appropriate name for a church, isn't it? Battlefield Baptist Church. It's off Battlefield Parkway. And uh, I remember they uh, were so kind to let me eat supper with them. And we had uh, gravy and biscuits and uh, chicken. And so I knew it was the perfect will of God for me to come to Dalton, Georgia. Amen. And, uh, and then uh, I spent the night. And then the next morning they rented us a little apartment, two-bedroom apartment. And she was a landlord. And the first Sunday we had uh, 29 in Sunday school, 42 in church. In a little house, uh, the auditorium seat, 12, it was 12 by 15, so we couldn't get everybody in there. And Miss Connie had to start Children's Church, had to, because there was no way we could get them, get them in that little room. And uh, I appreciate uh, that somebody in that apartment complex got born again. And then he became my soul winning partner, and uh, he was a big old guy. And I'd roll off tackle and get in the house and tell people about Jesus, and a lot of them got saved. It's a blessing. And you know, there's some, and you know, during the night, Lisa talked to Rick and said, "You know, some. What if this guy's not really a preacher? What if he's a mass murderer or something?" So she started worrying about it. Amen. And um, and so they had a lot of faith to take us in, and uh, I appreciate them so much. Appreciate um, the privilege of pastoring folks when we were in a very, very humble surroundings. Amen. I mean, humble. Uh, that that. First house that we started in was used for the haunted house on October 31st before by the JCs. You know who the JCs are, don't you? Amen. And anyway, uh, the walls glowed when I flipped on the light. The walls glowed. I know y'all get tired of hearing that, but I don't. I rehearse it all the time. I said, "Glory to God, this is a great place to start a church." And then we didn't have a baptistry, so we decided to go out to Conestoga River. And I'll never forget one time it was pouring down rain so hard. They said, preacher, I was 27 years old, didn't have a lick of sense, a lot of hair, not a lick of sense. I said, we're baptizing, I don't care how hard it's raining. And I remember we went down there and uh, we lined up and people started pulling off the road because it was cars. They thought it was going to a funeral service, amen? And we were in essence. And I'll never forget the most embarrassing thing, two embarrassing things that happened that, that first baptism in the Conestoga River. Number one, I slipped and I was the first baptism. I went all the way under. And I looked at the people and I said, that's all right, the water's warm, come on in, amen. Then I baptized this lady named Miss Ray, she was a Catholic, led her to the Lord over at Georgian Apartments. I knocked on doors all day long, and she was the last door to knock on. And I left her track, she got saved later on, and she came to church and made it public. And so she was one of those that came, she was kind of a dignified lady at that time. And, uh, she, uh, and I baptized her, the first one, and I baptized her downstream. And uh, you get the picture now. I couldn't get her back up. I mean, I, it was Conestoga River, and the flowing and the river was flowing. And I kept trying to trying to get her, trying to get her. 
I got her up and I said, Miss Ray, are you glad you're saved? And she looked at me as to say, I'm just glad I'm alive. <laughs> so, y'all been very patient, amen? Very patient. And, uh, you know, I still get nervous on these big days, you know, but I'm glad we have big days. Because you know why? We got a big God. Not a big preacher, not a big number, not a big church. Thank God for this is all paid for again, amen? And I like the remodeling job. But I want to tell you something, folks. We got a big God. We got a God that's worthy. And we got, we got a great word. And that's the word of God. And I have enjoyed preaching through the book of Mark so very much. So I'm going to do exactly that. Now normally, if I wasn't going through a series, I'd get a good old sugar stick. If you don't know what a sugar stick is, see Brother Dean afterwards, he'll tell you. And you know, some favorite message and just let her rip. And, I, and that's fine to do that. But uh, I'm just going to stay with it. And then next week, Brother Jason will take up where I leave off. By his own choosing. I tell you, you preach anything you want to. He said, I'd like to preach in Mark right where you leave off. And I said, well, that'd be great. Praise God. And he'll do it. So the word of God will still be preached. Amen. And y'all pray for Connie and I. As I said, I'm not hyper-Calvinist by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I am hyperactive, but not as much as I used to be. And I am not looking forward to 13, 9, 21, 21 hours in a, in a uh, plane. Just not looking forward to that. But um, by the good grace of God, I'll sleep. All right, let's stand in the honor of the Word of God. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I want to read verse 12 and 13. You know we've already covered that, but I want you to get the background here. Verse 12, it says, they went out. That's the disciples, okay? Mark 6, 13, 12, you with me? And listen, if you don't have your Bible, you need to get your Bible. The King James Bible, by the way, amen? We're all on the same page. We're not palm readers, we're Bible readers, so bring your Bible. And they went out and preached that men should, what? Repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed them with oil, many that were sick, and healed them. Now skip on down where we left off last week. Last Sunday night, I'm glad somebody's come back. Because I preached on the dance that Herod should have skipped. And it was a point, blunt, blank message. And, it, and, I, and I thank God you can take it. But I want to tell you something, friend. We still need modesty preached. We still need... Uh, uh, to preach against rock and roll. We still need to preach against sin. And folks, it'll help your, it'll help your children. So anyway, thank God y'all came back after that message. I only preach straight because I love you. But after the, uh, John the Baptist was executed and beheaded, his, his head brought on a charger. How ungodly that was. The disciple heard of it and they came and they, in verse 29, uh, they become pallbearers, and that took a lot of guts, and he laid it in the tomb. Now, here's our text this morning. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, to the disciples, Come ye yourselves apart unto a desert place and rest a while, for there are many coming and going, and they had no pleasure, leisure so much as to eat. And they departed unto the desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many, many knew him, and ran afoot hither out of the cities, and out, with them, uh, and out went them, and came to, together with him. And Jesus, when he came, saw much people, probably about 15,000. I'll prove that in a minute. And was moved with compassion. That's our thought this morning. He was moved with compassion towards them because they were sheep not having a shepherd 
and he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that we, they may go into the country round about into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, ye, Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worths of bread and give them to eat? And he said unto them, How many loaves have we? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, they say five and two fish. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. They sat down in the ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish and looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves, he gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the twelve baskets full of fragments of the fish, and they all did eat of the loaves, were about 5,000 men. It says men. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the great Sunday school lesson. Thank you, God, for the singing, the testimonies, all that's taken place. God, we thank you for this afternoon's service, but right now, dear God, I need your anointing. I need your help. I'm a little nervous. I don't know why I get nervous when I preach, but dear God, it's your word. And God, it's your Holy Spirit that I'm depending upon, and I need your, your help in a very special way this morning. God, I want to get across the message that you really care, and God, that we ought to really care. And God, help us to live up to our subtitle of our church, A Caring Church for a Hurting World. God, help us to live up to that. But God, will never do it unless we're filled with your compassion, with your power with your love. So God, please help our church to stay on course. And that's to really care like you care. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's the disciples, and they come back, and they wanted to report in, and they should because they were sent out by him. Accountability in the house of God's good. And I believe you ought to be a part of a local church so you can be held accountable. You'll grow ten times faster if you are accountable to someone and thank God you ought to be encouraged and edified and exhorted when you come in this place. I believe that the church is a, a community of accountability, but it's the body of Christ, it's the family of God. And I believe we ought to exhort one another not to be cold and indifferent, not to be selfish and self-centered, but have a ministry. A ministry. Every Sunday school class ought to be a ministry. Amen? Every class that we have, every song should be a ministry. We don't do it to just show up or show off or be entertained. We're here for God and His glory, but we're here to reach those that are hurting. Say amen. And folks, they came back. They were all excited, and the Lord uh, uh, was excited for them, I'm sure, but he, uh, he cared about them. He cared enough to say, hey, listen, in verse 30, uh, listen, you need, to, you need to take a break. You need to go with me, and you need to have some rest. We're saved to serve God, but I want to tell you something, folks. It takes a lot out of you. And I want to tell you something. I thank God for the grace of God over these 41 years that God has blessed me with help. I don't think I've ever missed a service by being sick. Somebody pointed that out. I think, Ms. Nell, you pointed that out a couple of years ago. You never remember me calling in sick. And I, I thank God for that. Now, next, next week or the week after I get back from uh, uh, traveling all over the world, I'll probably be sick as a dog and I'll, I'll watch by way of internet. But I want to say this, friend, God's blessed me to be a blessing. 
And I thank God for that. And it's only by God's grace. But sometimes I'm just wore out, Brother Dean. Sometimes I just feel like, man, the tension and the pressure I can't take. Somebody said that preaching one 45-minute message is like laboring for, for eight hours. I believe that. It takes everything out of you. And I used to get all tensed up about it. And I, and I learned from Brother Dean, you might as well relax and enjoy yourself while you preach, amen, and teach. But I want to tell you something, folks. His attitude was, you serve the Lord, and I'll take care of you. And I want to tell you, number one, he cared for his laborers. And God cares for this church, and he phys the physically stressed. But also, I believe he was, he was careful to not let them be prideful. You know, a lot of things have been accomplished over these years, but I want to tell you something. If we ever take credit for it, and if we ever put our little name on it, Folks, God's going to say Ichabog on this place and the power of God and the glory of God to depart. And so I believe that maybe he knew that it was going to keep on going and things were going to keep on going. And he said, hey, listen, come apart with me for some leisure. So his advice was, hey, listen, don't take credit for it. It's not about you and it's not about them. It's about God. Amen. And we need to thank God for that. About the best thing we can do is is make dirt, because our righteousness is filthy rags. And folks, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things uh, through him that strengthened me, but uh, John chapter uh, 15 says, we can do nothing without him. Nothing. We need him, don't we? Amen? And pride comes before fall. And so folks, we need to be humbled by what God has done. And we need to be thankful that he'll do it, and he'll keep on doing it, if we'll just let God take care of us. He'll give you the strength, He'll give you the power, He'll give you the grace, He'll give you the wisdom, but as I'm going to preach in just a few minutes and major on this, He'll give you compassion that makes a difference. You know, I'll tell you what I have to fight, at, fight uh, in my ministry, and that's going through the motions. Just preaching another sermon. I mean, just being the pastor of this church. Folks, this is not a job, this is a calling. This is a life calling. And this is not just uh, some mundane uh, uh, ritual we're going through. This is a ministry that God has enabled us to be. And folks, we need to care. Look at verse 33. It says, And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran to foot whither all the cities, and out, out, went, uh, and out went there, and they came together unto him. Now they're going on vacation, and all of a sudden 15,000 people show up on the shore. I mean, there was 5,000 men, so I figured there had to be at least 5,000 women say amen. Now, the women's lib wouldn't like this thing. They didn't, they just, he just recognized 5,000 men. But in the Bible days, that's the way it was, amen? And there's probably about 10,000 kids with them. I don't know, unless they all stayed at home. But there was a crowd. It was a tremendous crowd. And I want to tell you what I, I'm impressed by this passage is God didn't see the crowd. Jesus didn't see the crowd. He saw the hearts. We need to keep seeing the hearts, friend. The Bible says, and he departed into the a desert place to the ship privately and he says the people saw them departing and many knew him and they ran afoot round the sea of Galilee they headed them off at the pass and Jesus when he'd come he saw much people now listen and was moved with compassion towards them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd a sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things folks not only does God care about the laborer and he said, get in the boat, and we'll go over here and take a little break. But he knew this was going to take place. And so I believe God was teaching his disciples, we're about to get up on something we ain't never seen before. We're going to do something that we can't handle. We're going to, fight, we're going to see 15,000 people gather, 
And they're going to get hungry. And when Baptists get hungry or whatever, whoever gets hungry, you, they usually turn off their ears and turn off their hearts. They say, we're going to have a problem that we can't handle. And let me tell you this, friend. When you get in the ministry and when you do something for God, there's a lot of things you can't handle. And, and, and the old wise tale that says that God won't put on you more than you can handle, that's a bunch of junk. And that's an old granny's uh, saying because that's not true. God will put a lot on you you can't handle. But there's nothing that he can't handle. Amen? There's nothing he can't handle. And if we'll yield to God, we can be, let him be who he is through us. And the compassion of God can literally flow through us. I appreciate what he said about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit of God. Friend, listen, you're filled to overflow. You're filled to ministry. God does not fill you for a filling. God does not fill you to be entertained this morning. And God certainly doesn't fill you for your self-pride and reputation and glory. I can't stand people bragging on being celebrities for Christ and jugglers for Jesus and clowns for Christ and they have a show going on and friend, listen, it's not about us, it's about Him. And it's about them that are lost. And so He cares about uh, His, uh, his uh, laborers, but He cares about the lost sheep. And there are several emotional responses you can have. You can be apathetic. You know, a lot of people just don't care. If you're not careful, you'll live in a uh, day and age where a lot of people just get caught up in the bigness of everything, and they really don't care. And then you can have sympathy. That shares uh, because you care how somebody feels. And then empathy, you can have that where you really put yourself in their place and, and their pain you feel. You feel their pain. You've been there. A lot of people come to me and say, you don't know what it's like to live in a, uh, a, a home where there's a drunk. And I say, wait a minute. I've been there, done that, and I know how it feels. And God probably allowed me to go through that with the comfort that I receive that I can comfort others. To see Daddy saved when I was preaching at the age, when he was 63 years of age and he lived uh, eight more years before cirrhosis of the liver killed him. And he said on his deathbed, the only regret I have, Wayne, is I only lived seven years. I wish I'd have got saved when I was a young person. wish I'd have got saved when I was a teenager. Folks, I want to tell you this, friend. God help us if we don't realize that we need to have some empathy. We need to, we, what you've been through, God allowed you to go through. That the comfort you received, you can comfort others. But I want to tell you something, what we need most of all is compassion. Compassion is that moving, that's, that, that tender mercy, that affection, that from the bottom of your heart. You just, you just serve God. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be phony. I don't want to go through the motions. And it breaks my heart when I hear that people come to the church and they don't get a thing out of it. They're worried about what some people might think. They're worried about what people do to them or don't do to them. It just breaks my heart. Because this ought to be a place of worship. Say amen. It ought to be a place of emphasis and focus. And folks, there's people coming in here with broken hearts, broken homes, broken children. And they need somebody that really cares. The theme for the year is with all our heart. With all your heart. You ought to trust the Lord with all your heart. You ought to love God with all your heart. With all your heart. We ought to put our heart into this. And folks, I believe the reason that Jesus was concerned is he knew where they were at. Look at, look at, look at verse 33. It says, And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and they ran afoot, and there were thousands, 5,000 men, and plus the ladies and the, and the children. And Jesus, when he, come, when, he, when he came out of that boat, he saw much people, but he was moved with compassion towards them, each one of them, 
because they were a sheep having, not having a shepherd. Folks, I believe everybody needs a shepherd. And I believe as Christians, we are just like sheep. One time I preached um, a message on the 23rd Psalm. I'll never forget it. And uh, I didn't know this happened in Dalton, Georgia. And there was a, a Pratt preacher. Uh, and when I knocked on doors, my first came to town, he said, you're a Pratt. I said, no, my mother called me a brat, but I don't even know what a Pratt is. I, I didn't know what a one was. And I got up and I said, you know, that sheep are, are, are very dumb animals. And I wasn't talking about Christians being dumb, but folks, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't get it sometimes. We're not wise. And I remember that preacher got up after me and he just low-rated me for calling everybody dumb. I wasn't calling them dumb. I was calling sheep dumb. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep can get cast down. I mean, sheep can go out and eat so much weed, pardon the expression, that they get bloated and the gas forms up and they get cast down and their feet are up in the air and they can't get up and they're prey for the wolves and the lions and everybody else and they're helpless. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Without Christ, you're helpless. When you were lost, you were lost in your sins and trespasses. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. God found you cast down. And folks, sometimes He finds us cast down and we're lost. We're lost. Folks, the Bible says that Jesus left the 99 went after the one. We need to have compassion for the lost. One day you were lost. And if it wasn't for God's grace, you'd be in hell today. And that's compassion. You really care where people are in their life. The Bible says the wicked uh, shall not prosper and the wicked will find themselves in hell. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. We don't preach enough on hell. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, excuse me. 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, 1, verse 8 and 9. I got to hurry. I, I got a lot more than I can cover. And I know I'm the only one bes between you and chicken, so it's, it's a lot of pressure. But look at this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I want you to look at verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. Folks, that's the way God, Lord Jesus, shall reveal from heaven with the mighty angels, the Bible says. And it says, And they obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want you to notice verse 9. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Folks, I believe the Bible. I believe all 1,500 years, 44 different um, uh, uh, authors and, and 66 different books that this was written over, and there's not one contradiction. And there's not one verse that I, that I, don't, that I don't believe. And folks, listen, this verse says that if you're not saved, you will be punished in everlasting destruction. You'll be not present with the Lord and from the glory of His power, means you'll, etern you'll spend eternity in hell. I got a, a saying in all the Bibles that I have, and when I get a new Bible, I put it on the front leaf, Dear Lord, help me never to get used to boys and girls and men and ladies going to hell. Going to hell. Folks, if hell is not real, why did Jesus preach on it 13 times? If hell is not real, why is it mentioned over 87 times in the Word of God? Folks, hell's a real place. And it disturbs me that people are going there. It, 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 you ought to have compassion to get in the way. You ought to have compassion to warn people. You ought to have a burden to pray. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Sheep are lost. Sheep are cast down. 
Sheep are defenseless. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. But folks, when a sheep comes to him, they're absolutely, totally secure. I mean, amen, amen. They're secure. They're saved and saved forever. Some people say, I don't believe that Baptist doctrine. Saved, once saved, always saved. Well, I really believe it. Because I want to tell you something. My Father in heaven will never disown me. Say amen. Now, some of you earthly fathers won't ever disown your children. You might spank them. You might scourge them. You might whip them. But you'll never disown them. And folks, we're earthly fathers. Our heavenly Father will never disown us. He'll never divorce his bride. Amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. John chapter 10 says that he knows his sheep and they know him and they know his voice. And folks, no man can pluck him out of his hand. You're in God's hand. One little girl, one little lady said, uh, uh, one preacher said that you can pluck yourself out of your hand. And a granny came down the aisle and rebuked that preacher. says, you can't get plucked out of the hand when you're one of the fingers. Say amen. We're saved. We're safe. We're in the fold of God. But he looked at them and they were lost. They were defenseless. They were helpless. They were cast down with no way to get up. They were prey to the, the roaring lion. And that's exactly what you are if you're lost. But thank God Jesus came to us. And picked us up. And folks, here's the reach in verse 30, 34. It says, And Jesus, when he came, he saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. What do you think he taught them? I believe he taught them that God loves them. I believe he taught them that they could be saved. I believe he taught them that they could have a shepherd of their soul and be taken care of the rest of their life and have peace, joy, purpose, and hope. That's what we need today. Everybody's losing hope. And so, folks, I want to tell you, he preached and he looked and he saves because he's a shepherd that cares. Now, let me just close by showing you this in verse 35. There was a real need here. I believe it was set up for the glory of God. And folks, not even the little lads mentioned in this passage. The little lads only mentioned one time, and that's in John chapter 6. I've heard a thousand mentions of a little lad, and praise God, I'm glad he gave his uh, fish and he gave his loaves. But he's not the hero of the story. It's the one that broke the bread and multiplied the fish. And those, those that do not know the supply of God and the purpose of God and the peace of God, you're living beneath your God-given privilege. Amen. I mean, you're just, you're just existing. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. But I want to show you about this miracle real quick, and I'll close. Folks, first of all, I want you to see the cause of the supplying. Verse 35 says, When the day was now far spent, the disciples came unto him and said, This is the desert place, and now the time is far spent. Folks, it was the, the time of this, it was, it, was, it was late. It was getting late. Friend, I want to tell you something, it's getting late. The Lord's coming soon, say amen. And folks, the territory of this cause was, they were in a desert place. I'm not sure it was a real desert, but it was a place where there was no stores. There was not even a new food city, praise God. Isn't that a nice store? But I want to tell you something, folks, the territory was barren. There was no place to get it. Then I see the council for the supply, and this is where I want to really preach just a second, because we have no right to tell God how to run this church. Look at verse 35. It says, And when the day was now far spent, the disciples came to him, and John says it was really Philip that was leading it, and he said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far spent. 
But he said, send them away that they may go into the country round about into the villages and buy themselves bread for they are nothing to eat. And so folks, he was trying to counsel God. He was trying to tell Jesus how to supply the meal. You know, I get in trouble when I go in the kitchen and try to tell Miss Connie how to cook. That's not good, amen. She don't tell me how to preach. I don't tell her how to cook. And she can cook. Amen. This suit's already shrunk and it's only six months old. I can't, I can't understand it. The council, it's impractical. The day's far spent. Send them away. Just go ahead and let them take care of themselves. But here's the challenge in verse 37. He answered and said to them, Give ye them to eat. He told the disciples to give them to eat. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 6, that he was proving them. He knew what he was going to do. Folks, God proves us when we come to the end of ourselves and we're in a situation we cannot handle. You ever been there? Like your marriage? Like your children? How many has got teenagers say, oh me? No, say amen. Amen? You can't handle them. God's got to teach them. God's got to break them. God's got to make them. And folks, listen, parenting is beyond me, but I got four kids that's turned out really good uh, so far, and they got a good mama, but I'll tell you what, they got a good God. And they learned on the bus route, and they learned in the Sunday school class, and they learned getting out of the pew and ministering is the greatest life in the world. And folks, they also learned this, I hope they learned this, I hope they've learned this, that they cannot do it on their own. So they said, hey, go ahead and do it. Disciples, it's your turn. Serve the meal. Find it. Go ahead, buy it. 200 penny worth of bread. Give them to eat. And he challenged them. And folks, God's challenging us today to do the impossible. Folks, I, I believe the greatest years of this church is ahead. I know the devil's fault. I know the devil's divided. I know some of the greatest uh, leaders that I never thought would leave this church left. Broke my heart. I wept all night. Couldn't eat. Couldn't understand why anybody would leave this church. Because I love this church. I love it with all my heart. I love the people. I love what we're doing. I must. I've been here for all my life. I'm still in my first pastorate. My wife was in a, a pastor's wife's meeting and they said, how many of you ladies are in your first pastorate? And she raised her hand. They looked at her like she was crazy. You mean you're still in your first pastorate? Yep, still there. Praise God. <laughs> By the grace of God. But I want to tell you something, friend. We learned a long time ago, we can't, we can't make it without Him. We can't do it. To God be the glory. And I want to tell you something. The little lad's not even mentioned in this, in this passage. But I want to tell you something God's mentioned. And I want to tell you something. The, the, the disciples were challenged. Go ahead and feed them. And they looked around and said, we ain't got that much money. And folks, I want, to see, I want you to see real quick, in verse 38, it says, And he said to them, How many loaves have we? Go and see. And when they, and when they knew, they saved five and two fish. And it was one little boy with a lunch. I bet it was a brown paper sack. No, it was probably wrapped up in some kind of cloth or something. And he brought it because his mama was a good packer and a good mama. He said, You take these fish. Because I heard Jesus a little long-winded. That's scriptural. And, uh, you know, I, I, want you to be, I want you to have something to eat. And he never thought his lunch would be multiplied. But I want to tell you something. He don't get the glory. He's not even mentioned in Matthew, Mark, or, or, or Luke. It's just John. 
And I want to tell you this, friend. I see in verse 39 something special. It says, And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. There's the shepherd leading to the green pastures. He maketh them to lie down. And I see, friend, that he commanded them and he's told them to sit down. We want to always get busy and we want to do more and we want to make it happen. Sit down. And before you can ever witness much, you better learn how to worship. Before you can ever be compassionate, let me just say this now, you need to stay in love with Jesus. And the greatest battle in your life will be to fall out of love with God and to leave your first love. That's right. Because when you leave your first love, you've lost your ministry. We need to stay close to God. We need to have the number one goal to be with Him before we're witnesses. He calls us to be with Him. He called us unto Him. And folks, then we can be compassionate. I, lo- I like Jude. Go to Jude, please, and look at verse 20. Jude, tw- Jude, only one chapter, so Jude. Look at verse 20. I'm closing. Don't, don't, don't get hungry. Praise God, you don't even have to wait in line. We've got plenty of food for everybody. Just stay right here. Amen? The Bible says this, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I like that praying in the Holy Ghost. That means God will intervene. And I will tell you what his topic is. God's glory. When you're praying in the Holy Ghost, there's one person that gets the glory, God. And then when you pray in the Holy Ghost, there's one person you ought to be concerned about, and that's those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as a first Savior. But look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How about that? It says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Y'all should never get over being saved. Y'all never get over being with the Lord. And then it says this, and some having compassion, making a difference. See, before there's compassion, there's love. There's a love for God. We love God because He first loved us. And I want to tell you something. The priority of compassion is this. We need to love God. And we need to realize how much He loves us. And have that relationship with God that speaks to a lost and dying world that's lonely. That's dying. And so folks, He said, listen. Sit down. And they sat down to make a hundred by hundreds and fifties. It's hard to be a little organized. And he had taken the five loaves and the two fish. He took up, the, uh, up to heaven and blessed them and break the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set before them. And the two fish divided he among them all. Folks, I see, thank God, he's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the miracle worker. He begins to bless. And he asked God to bless. He gave thanks for God's glory. And then he broke it. God uses broken things. And folks, we need to be broken. It's an avenue to revival. We need to be humble. And that therefore will be useful. And then I see that I want to point out here in verse 41 through 42 in closing. Don't pack up yet. And don't get your forks out either. In closing, I see the carriers of the supply. I'm glad God's given us something to do. I was reviewing my life as I always do. I get real nostalgic. I, 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 I didn't bring out the books this year. I know y'all really love, I, I know y'all probably won't make it through the day without the books. With all the pictures. All the pictures, the books. But recently I was looking through them and I saw how old I'd gotten. I saw some all you that were 
very young and your little children were just babies. Some of y'all are here grown up bringing your babies. Glad to see Brother Lamar with two of his big grandchildren protect him on the front row as bodyguards, amen. And sometimes I just look and say, man, where's all the time gone? But you know what I'm so grateful for? That God would allow me to be the pastor of this church. That God would allow me to preach. This is 8,158 sermons that I preached in this church. If I figured out three times a week, times 52 times, you know. And I don't want to start doing that up because it, it might think I'm trying to brag or something. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God has used me as a carrier of His supply. Look at verse 41. When He had taken the five loaves and the two fish, He looked up to heaven, blessed and broke them, and then He gave them to His disciples to set before them. And the two fish divided Him among them all, and they did all eat and were filled. This is an appropriate sermon. You see how God uses this on home uh, dinner on the grounds? But it's much more than that. Before you can give, you must receive. And you need to receive exactly what God gives you. And God has given His love. We need to stay in the most holy faith, yes. But we need to stay in love with God. We need to love God so much that we read His Bible every day. His love letters from home. We, we, need to, we need to let the Holy Spirit crown Him as Lord of our life. And we need to let Him warm our old hard, cold, calculated hearts with His love. And it'll come out, express compassion. Folks, listen, the responsibility is this. To set before them. What? Exactly what God gave. God gave them those fish. God gave them those bread. And they were not to make up their own bread. They weren't to go buy some Hershey uh, candy bars or whatever because it was a, a dull meal. They got exactly what God gave them. And that proves to me and tells me and warns me and helps me realize I got to keep getting it from the Lord. I got I to gotta, I gotta be dependent on Him. I can't get so cocky that I think I got this church planting thing down. I've only planted one church. I must not have much courage. I didn't plant another one. This is it. And I hope, it's a, I hope it is, is it. I hope this is the last church I ever pastor. But I want to say this, friend. I see something so blessed in verse 42. And they did all eat and were filled. I see the consumption and the supplying. It was sufficient. They all ate. It was satisfying. They were all filled. You know what the world needs now? They don't need another Super Bowl. And I've been accused of counseling the service of that. We started, we started these afternoon services a long time before the Super Bowl showed up on the first week of February. It used to be in the last week in January. I don't know, what, I don't know how that happened. But I, I don't care what people think. But I'll tell you this, friend. I do care what God thinks. And I'm glad I get to stay in church all day today. And I'm not coming here to leave. And some of y'all already got your clock on me. Some of y'all already did this. And you're going to get tennis elbow if you don't stop that stuff. Some of you already said, hey, listen, I'll go to the service, but Brother Dean better not be too long because i got to get back and watch it. And I want to tell you something, friend. What we need to realize, the only thing that's going to ever satisfy you is Jesus. The only thing that's going to ever meet your needs, Him. And you know what the privilege we have, church? We just need to give Him Him. 
We need to give them the love of God. And folks, we need, as an independent fundamental against everything Baptist church, we need to be full of God's love so much that we don't love the world and that we love others. I think we've lost that. I think we've lost it. If we're not careful, we're going to go through the motions. We're going to be, we're going to be militant, faithful, and we're going to get out there and win souls whether we like it or not, and we're going to give out tracts. And folks, if we don't do it because we love God and love people, all in vain. Let me close by saying this. There was a cleanup after the supply. Look at verse 43, and Jason will be glad I put this verse in for after the fellowship. They took up the 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And folks, there was a cleanup. People doing the cleanup. That's humbling. More heroic to distribute. <laughs> Amen. Somebody, hey, let's clean up. The whole church goes into a prayer meeting. Let's, clean, let's, let's move these tables, hallelujah. Boy, everybody's gone. Few people. But I want to tell you something, friend. They cleaned it up. They had fragments. You look up that word fragment, it's not crumbs. It was whole pieces of bread. And it was whole pieces of fish. There were some extra pieces left over. There was some good food for some others. And folks, I want to tell you something. God's well never runs dry. He wants to fill you to overflow. And then the last verse says, And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. There's the crowd in the supplying. What an audience. No wonder they taught outside. There's no building... There's no mega churches around for 15,000 people. They're outside in the open. And that excluded the women and the children. There was 5,000. That means there was about at least 10,000 people there. And you know what I love about our Lord? He didn't look at the crowd. Sometimes I'm guilty of that, saying, man, where's everybody at? He didn't look at the numbers. He looked at the hearts. And he saw the broken marriages. He saw the wayward children. He saw the hurt and he saw the loss. He saw the people headed to hell as sheep without a shepherd. He saw them just wandering in the wilderness, cast down. The ravenous devil seeking to devour whom he will. And he had compassion on them. Church, can I just say one more thing? And I'm only a Five minutes over, that's a miracle. Let's don't lose our compassion. Can I, can I give you this for the 41st anniversary? Let's love God. Let's stay in the love of God. And then some having compassion, making a difference. As a little girl walking on a beach, with thousands of starfish had been washed up by a terrible storm. And when she came to each starfish, she would pick that up and throw it as far as she could back in the ocean so it wouldn't dry up and die. And people watched her with amusement. They thought it was funny. They were all watching. I won't go there. And she, had, she had been doing this for some time, and a man finally had enough nerve to approach her, and he said, little girl, why are you doing this? Look at this beach. You can't save all these starfish. You can't begin to make a difference. The girl seemed crushed, suddenly deflated. But after a few moments, she bent down, 
picked up another starfish and hurled it out into the ocean. And she looked up at that man and replied, well, I made a difference to that one. I made a difference to that one. And that old man looked at the little girl inquisitively and thought about what she had, done, he had, she had done and said, well, I'm kind of inspired. I think I'll join you. And he started throwing those starfish into the ocean. And soon others joined. And long, make a long story short, all those starfish are still alive. Folks, I want to tell you something. We ain't the biggest church in town. It used to be the Catholic church. Now it's the contemporary church. It's the biggest in town. We're not the fanciest and we're not the richest. But I believe we can make a difference. I believe we can make a difference one by one. One by one. One more family. How many of you, how many of you can testify that your family is still together because of God's grace through this ministry of this church? Raise your hand. A lot of you. How many can testify that you're saved because somebody preached the gospel in this place and you're on the way to heaven? Would you raise your hand? Well, it ain't the biggest church in town. It ain't the most flamboyant church in town. It's not the most popular church in town. But I'm glad God made a difference in your life, in your marriage your children and some having compassion making the difference let's pray father thank you for this passage i hope i rightly divided it and lord i pray that it speaks to our hearts and lord i thank you that you care about your disciples not to let them get puffed up or blown out or burned out but god i thank you that you love your disciples so much that you proved them and you put them to the test. And you challenged them to come up with a meal they couldn't possibly come up with. And then, Lord, you showed them your power. And it all started, dear God, when they didn't look at the crowd and they didn't look at the building and they didn't look at the numbers, but they saw every soul you saw every soul as a sheep without a shepherd. God help us. God help us first of all to stay in love with you. And Lord, second of all, help us not to keep it to our sorry selves, but to let it flow. And God, you promised that you'd give more grace as we minister. And Lord, I thank you you've given us grace over the years but God I need grace for today I'm going to need a lot of grace when I go and get on that plane and a whole lot of grace when I speak to people that's never heard in a few days Lord thank you thank you for seeing me and Dave a son of a man that had a very bad drinking problem Lord, you came and rescued me and redeemed me and saved me. And God, to top it all off, then you called me to be your, the, 
be your carrier of your message and your love and even your supply.